All right. I'm going to share the word with you this morning on the topic of generosity. Everyone say generous. generous. Say, I feel generous. Why is everyone like hanging on to the... <laughs> Talking to you about generosity. It's not the sum total what God has come to do when we talk about stewardship and finances. Certainly it's not the sum total of the gospel, but it is a, big, a large part of the gospel. So I want to just... Uh, share with you from the Word of God on a, having a heart of generosity. You know, when you think of, uh, let's think about some of the I am statements of Jesus. You know, so for example, I am the blank of life. I am the bread of life. I am the, the way, the truth. Can you think of some others? I am. Some other I am statements. Do you know Jesus declared that I am Generous. I am generous. We're supposed to be like Jesus, right? Jesus said that I am generous. It's found in, in the parable of the landowner. Daniel Manti had shared on this parable quite a bit a few weeks ago when he's doing that uh, teaching on the kingdom of God, but using the parable of the landowner and how the early morning workers were hired and they were promised a denarius, a certain wage for the day. And then at noontime, the landowner went out again and brought in more laborers and uh, had an agreement with them on their pay. Then at the 11th hour, he went out and brought in some more workers and, uh, you know, and hired them on. At the end of the day, when it was time to pay everyone their wages, the ones that were hired on at the 11th hour received the same wage as those that worked the full day. And of course, they were envious of that. That didn't set too well with them. They couldn't quite understand the inequality in that, in that why would the, the owner pay someone who only worked for one hour the same wage as someone who worked for the full hour? The parable there is that Jesus is our pay, and you can't get any paid any higher than receiving Jesus, right? But anyway, so from an from a equality standpoint, they were complaining about that, and Jesus mentioned to them, and this is from the NIV version, he said, are you envious? He said, don't I have a right to do with my own things that I want to do, or are you envious because I am generous? Are you envious because I am generous? So I'm listening, I challenge you to just think about that question that Jesus put out there. How many times have you found yourself or how many times have I found myself wrestling with uh, envy because it looked like someone else may have been more abundantly honored, more abundantly favored, more abundantly blessed, more abundantly resourced, and feeling like you know, I worked as hard, or perhaps you have worked just as hard, someone else got a promotion, but you didn't. There's all types of uh, illustrations in life that we could look at it from that particular vantage point, but the question that Jesus said, are you envious because I am generous? So Jesus identified himself as being generous. Now, if, you, if you're generous with something, you have to have something to be generous with, correct? If you're going to be generous with resources, you have to have a generous amount of resources. If you're going to be generous in loving people, if you're going to be generous in being kind to people, your heart has to fill, be filled with love and kindness and gentleness and so forth. You, know, you, 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 you cannot give what you don't have. So if you're going to be generous with something, you need, to, you need to have an abundance of it. Well, I encourage you to, when you're reading through the Gospels, when you're reading the Word of God, keep an open ear and an open eye to the generosity 
of God. All through the scriptures, you see it. You see it in the miracles all throughout the Old Testament. The widow woman who, who was, uh, whose husband had died and, and uh, she was left with a great debt and the debt collectors were common to take whatever she had and her sons and you know, sell them. But she, she cried out to, God, to the prophet and, and cried out to God and the prophet spoke to her and said, take as many jars of oil, collect as many jars of oil as you can and take that little bit of oil in that jar that you have and begin to pour it into the other jars. And she began to pour and to pour and to pour. And, and that little jar of oil, the only thing she had left, it, 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 it did not run dry, but it, it, it filled as many vessels as they could collect from all the neighbors. They collected vessels. And that little bit that she had, he just uh, generously, miraculously, kept filling all the jars of oil. And then he said, now sell all that oil, pay off your debt, and live on the rest. That's the generosity of God. In Psalm 23, the psalm said, my, you know, my cup is half full. And I always see it as half full, half empty. No? What is it? Runneth over. My cup runs over. Why would the cup run over? Why would Jesus bless Peter when he told him to launch out in the deep for a great catch of fish? What's, what's the purpose of, of causing his nets to break and his boat to sink, to begin to sink? with so many fish. He's just generous. They had been fishing all night, didn't catch anything, and then they obeyed Jesus and went out again in the daytime after they had lent their boat to Jesus. And Jesus said, now launch out again. They launched out again for a net-breaking, boat-sinking load of fish, so many that they had to call upon their partners to come help them to bring in this abundant, generous amount of fish. So you see generosity throughout the Word of God. You see the, uh, the disciples were told to feed the multitude. And they say, we don't have anything to feed them with. And he said, well, what do you have? He said, well, there's a lad here that has a few loaves and a few small fishes. And Jesus said, bring them to me. And he multiplied them. And he fed the multitudes. Thousands of people were fed supernaturally by one little boy's lunch. lunch and there were 12 baskets left over. It's the generosity of God. You see it throughout Scripture. And, and, and uh, the statements that Jesus made in Luke 6, 38, he made the statement, he says, give, and it will be given to you. Just a little bit's going to come back to you, just so you barely have enough. No, he said, give, and it will be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Generous. God is a generous God. Jesus said, are you envious because I am generous? So we want, we want to uh, want to challenge you to, to work at it on two fronts. Number one, never allow yourself to be envious towards what other people have. That doesn't help anything. That doesn't help anything. I, was, uh, I, I grew up in an environment where, you know, I never felt like, I, don't, I never f worried about food, clothing, or shelter, but I never felt like we were rich. And I, I would hear comments such as when someone had a really nice big house or a nice big farm or a nice big farm. You know, I grew up in a farming community, nice big farm and so forth. And, and uh, it, I've heard it enough that I can remember hearing it. Well, yeah, that's nice. Like that house is really nice or this is really nice, but they're not really happy. You know, when you hear that as a child, you believe that, right? I mean, you believe your parents. 
So I grew up thinking, if a house is a certain size, that's a nice house, but the pe- unfortunately, the people who live in it aren't happy. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> has anyone else ever heard that? They're probably, see that? More, more of you heard that. Where'd that come from? Envy? Strife? Jealousy? Jesus is not envious. There's no strife in him. There's no jealousy in him. He said, I am generous. So we have to guard our hearts that we're not envious towards someone who we think has something that's bigger, better, nicer than what we have. Something that you think you, you should have rather than they having it. So let's, let's, let's put that to, to rest and let's not allow that to fester in our hearts and let's rejoice with those who rejoice and let's be happy with those who are happy and, and, and let's be content with such things as we have. Amen? Contentment, Paul said, I'm, I'm content in whatever state I'm in. He learned how to abound. He learned how to be without. He learned how to prosper. He learned how to be happy when he's free. He learned how to be happy while he's in prison. He, whatever state he was in, he learned to be content. So contentment with godliness is great game. That doesn't mean that, that you can't expect to, to uh, receive and to walk in the generosity of God. It's not, it's, it's, a, it's, it's our relationship with Jesus is what matters. And Jesus said that he is generous. He is generous. So generosity is definitely central to the plan of God. It's not the sum total of what Jesus came to do for us, but 16 out of 38 of Jesus' parables have to do with your stewardship and how you conduct yourself and attitudes towards your finances and your stewardship. 16 of 38. So that's, that's pretty significant, is it not? And so I, I think it bears a, a discussion and, and, and an understanding and a revelation of, yes, God is a generous God. And just one other statement I want to make here. I'm not defending myself. I just want to make it so that to put it in a proper perspective. When I'm speaking of generosity today, you know, some people, you heard one thing and some people may have heard something else. When I'm saying generosity, I'm talking about being generous with such things as you have. The widow woman that gave two mites was very generous. She was more generous than the wealthy people that gave out of their abundance. All right, so keep it in that perspective. Now that doesn't mean that you need to be poor to be generous. It had everything to do with her heart, not the amount, but it had to do with her heart. Now, the wealthy people could have been generous as well, but they chose not to be. What Jesus was teaching is that it's not an amount, a physical amount, or a numerical amount. It's the heart attitude with which you are generous. Are you generous with that which you have? What has God entrusted to you? And then you take a look at that. Then are you stewarding that well with a generous heart? All right? Thank you for your overwhelming enthusiasm, for clarity on that. I appreciate that. So I'm going to keep moving right along. So generosity is central to the plan of God. So people say, well, uh, do you believe in that prosperity gospel? Do you believe what these people are preaching on prosperity? (laughs) Do I believe in it? Do I believe in it? I'll tell you what I do believe. I do believe in the generosity gospel. And I believe it is central to the plan of God. And what I do believe is that it's God's desire to bless you in every way. In 3 John chapter 2, the prayer is that God would bless you 
in all things and that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. That he would bless you and all prosper you in all things and that you would uh, prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So God's desire can be seen uh, his desire to bless and his desire of generosity can be seen from the very first covenant that he established with Abram. And it's recorded in Genesis chapter 12 in just the first couple of verses, verse, the first three verses of Genesis chapter 12. Says, uh, verse one says, now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So we can see that it's God's desire to bless. And the, the desire to bless generously here is connected to restoration of Israel. In verse one, where it says, go to a land, which I will show you. So it has to do with restoration. And then number two, blessing and generosity is connected to global outreach. Everyone say global outreach. And that can be local and global, but it's connected to outreach. In verse three, it says, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. But then the last part of the verse says, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. All the families of the earth shall be blessed. So we can see it uh, beginning with the very first covenant with Abram. We see it throughout Scripture that it's God's desire to bless and it's God's desire for us to grow in a heart of generosity, to walk in his blessings and then to be generous in that which he has entrusted to us. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, provides us with a very healthy balance on generosity or on prosperity, whatever you want to refer to it as. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 through 19. It says, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly or generously all things to enjoy. Is that how you think of God? Jesus said, are you envious because I am generous? Do you know God is generous towards you so you can enjoy Let them, verse 18, let them do good that they be rich or generous in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Now, for many years, I would read this particular scripture and I just kind of, one of those scriptures I would read over, I don't know if you've ever done this, have, have, have you ever read uh, in reading the scriptures, do you ever read certain passages of scripture and your mind immediately goes, so that's talking about someone else. That's not referring to me. That's for me to know how someone else should manage their life. But it's not for me because I'm not rich. Or that's not for me because I'm not whatever. It's just that scripture for me to know how you should conduct yourself. <laughs> That's how I would read that. Well, I'm not rich. I'm not poor, but I'm certainly not rich. 
And then I discovered some years ago that uh, from a global perspective, you know, God so loved the whole world. You have to remember that the, the scriptures here weren't written for the people living in the continental United States of America only. But it was God so loved the whole world, right? Amen. And so you take a, a global perspective, a biblical worldview, and you look out over the world, all of God's creation, all of God's people, and there's an overwhelming disparity of, of income and resource levels that people have all over the world. And it is a known fact that if you have $2,000 worth of assets, you're among the wealthiest people in the world. Two grand. Two grand. When you look at it in comparison to the whole world, you say, well, I only have two grand and I don't feel very rich. That's because you're comparing yourself to what you see on the news all the time about all the, the billionaires and the multi-billionaires. Yes, there are some very, very, very wealthy people with numbers and, and, and wealth that's even hard for you know, the mind to comprehend how much money that really is. But there's also some people that are much, much, much poorer than you are. And so you are very wealthy. I don't wanna camp here very long, but I just wanna camp here long enough for you to realize that yes, this is talking about you. So take a moment, look at your neighbor and say, this is talking about us. <laughs> so now that you know it's talking about you, this commandment is to you from the word of God. Command those who are at Grace Church this morning not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly, generously, all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they be rich slash generous in good works, ready to give, willing to share. Ready to give, willing to share. The problem of what's being taught by uh, prosperity preachers that may be giving you, that may be stretching you and, and challenging you and just causing you to choke up a little bit. And, you know, and, you know it's, it, it's out there. There's extreme in every, in every topic being taught. And yes, there are prosperity teachings that are to the extreme. But here's what I want to share with you. What is being taught by what we tend to label as prosperity preachers, it, it, it's not what they teach, it's what they don't teach concerning generosity and character issues. If all someone is focusing on is generosity, prosperity, 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 and they're not dealing with character issues and generosity issues, then it gets off to the extreme. And so you focus on what God is instructing you. So the next time you're listening or you hear someone or you see someone on TV, you think, oh, that's just ridiculous. That is so extreme. Just forget about what they're saying and you go back and find out, what does the word say to me? Well, it says to you that you are to be rich in good works. See, you're not gonna answer for that person on television, but you are gonna answer for your stewardship. 
So don't make an excuse thinking, well, that's crazy, so I'm safe down here, but these people over, up, up on this income level, they're just completely over the edge. They may be or they may not be. That's not for me to judge, not for you to judge, but what you can judge and you should judge is where am I with what God has entrusted to me? Am I generous? Well, I just have a little bit. The widow woman had very little and she gave everything. She was generous and Jesus called her out on it. And when you read that story, Jesus was watching what people were giving. And I've been preaching now and pastoring for 36 years, I think it is. And I still haven't done it, but sometime I want to receive the offering and I just want to watch what each person puts in it. Because Jesus was watching what they put in it. That's how he knew that the very wealthy people only put in out of their abundance and, and this poor widow woman put in everything that she had because he was watching. You holding back there, bro? <laughs> Ushers, go down there again. The late Kenneth Hagin used to use the analogy of picking cotton. He said when they picked cotton, he said he used to make sure that they picked their rows clean. So he used to teach these ushers that make sure you pick the rows clean. <laughs> but anyway, that's, we, it's no, no manipulation. It's all, a, it's all a grace gift of God. It's the grace gift of God. But here's, the, here's what I want you to know, that if we don't teach, if you're in a church that never teaches about stewardship and, and God being a generous God, if, if we don't teach it, then we remain ignorant, we remain unbelieving, and we remain unfruitful. Jesus said that I am generous. And, and he said, without me, you can do nothing, but he wants us to abide in him so that we might bear just a weeny teeny little bit of fruit. How much fruit? Much fruit. Generous, liberal, a bunch. Amen? So God gives, the commandment here is, that, is for us is that, is that God gives richly, generously for us to enjoy. We all have room to grow in that, learning to enjoy what God has entrusted to us. Not to trust in this present age. That shouldn't be too difficult. I have absolutely zero trust in this present <laughs> That might not be completely true, but <laughs> it sure is hard to think I'm putting trust in whatever's going on in our culture today. Uh, do not trust in this present age. Don't be haughty. Don't be prideful. Don't be arrogant. God has graced you. God has blessed you. Rejoice in it. Be generous in it. Don't trust in the uncertain riches. Verse 18, you're to do good. You're to be rich. You're to be generous in good works. You know what that is for you. you. You know what God is speaking to your heart about. And you're always to be ready to give and ready to share. Everything in that, all about that is about being generous with your time, your skills, your talents, your resources. And, and the reason being, as we have a desire, we look out over the landscape of our culture right here and also globally, but even locally, we can look out over the landscape in, 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 in our own cultures, in our own communities, our own cities, and we can see the, the, the disparities. We can see the injustices. We can see inequality issues. We can see racial injustice. We can see all kinds of injustices that are, that are right in the mix, right here in our own communities. And... The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is to be on the front lines, 
to, to right the injustices, the inequality issues and, and the heart issues. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's the responsibility of the local church and we are to be strengthening. It's God's desire that the local church be strengthened, that the body of Christ be strengthened and be equipped and be resourced for local as well as global outreach. And so for the church to rise up and to do what it's supposed to do, the church is, is, uh, has to prosper and the church has to be generous. And to be generous, it takes a generous provision. For you to be generous and, and with your time and your resources, you, you need to have something to be generous with. And God wants you to prosper and to be in health even as your soul prospers. God wants to work in you and through you to bring reconciliation into our culture and ultimately the ultimate goal of bringing Jesus Christ into the culture and having open doors of opportunity to minister the gospel. So that's what it's all about. Generosity, generosity, a, a generosity that requires prosperity in the realm that you're in. Again, when I say that word prosperity, that's the, here's I like to define that. I, I, I look at prosperity. For me to be prosperous is to be able to do what God has called me to do and have the resources to do it. I don't think that God would be pleased with me standing before him at the judgment seat and say, well, and, and for me to say, well, I didn't do three four and five, I didn't do those because I couldn't afford it. If God called me to do it and I was responsible to do it, then I, my responsibility is to trust God for the resources to be able to do it. Because he's not holding back. I, I was either in ignorance or in unbelief. So you can take your pick. So what has God called you to do? What is your sphere of influence as an individual? Then what is our sphere of influence as a local church? Another challenge of today, I just throw this into the mix, is that we, have, we are exposed to everything that goes on in all four corners of the world. I never quite figured out four corners of a globe, but anyway, in all, <laughs> in all four corners of the world, all over the globe, we're so exposed to so much, even in our own States and our own nation, we're exposed to so much in so many different arenas that we are overwhelmed and it just seems too overwhelming and there's nothing my contribution is going to do to make a difference. That's something we have to keep guarding against. Yes, there's a lot of stuff going on that needs to be corrected. A lot of reconciliation needs to take place all over the globe, but right here in our own communities, then bring it into what is the sphere of influence that God has called me into? Who am I supposed to be working with? Who am I supposed to be uh, partnering with? And, and who are we as a local church? Who are we? To, what's, what's the people group that God is calling us to reach out and to touch and to assist and, 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 and to bring about reconciliation in whatever, in any area that reconciliation needs to be brought into. That's what we need to concentrate on. When, when you look at everything that's going on in the world, it's just so overwhelming. And I'm, my response to it is, if I don't guard my heart is, I just shut down. I just shut down. It's just, it's such, a, it's such a mess out there. It's just such a mess. It's just such a mess. It's so broken. And who do you trust? So broken. Who do you trust? It's, it's just, you know, people's response and government's response and the bickering between government parties. And, you know, it's just like, oh my gosh. I mean, then we shut down and we do nothing. 
And that's how the enemy would win. But as a local church, as an individual, then as a local church, we don't shut down and do nothing. We continue to do, first and foremost, what God has called us to do, and that's proclaim the gospel. And to see lives transformed. Amen? Amen. And then to resource whatever type of outreach that God is calling us into. Real quickly, turn... uh, you don't have to turn to it, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 7, uh, those, in the first couple of verses there of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, the Apostle Paul is using the, the, the church that was going through, Laodicea is going through some very, very challenging circumstances in their lives, some very severe persecutions. And in the middle of all their trials and tribulations, they discovered, they, they gave themselves over to God and they ended up giving of their resources generously. It's not Laodicea, the church of Macedonia. It was in great trial of affliction, in great trial of affliction. But in the middle of that great trial of affliction, uh, it said their abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality or generosity. So we have the, the woman with the, the, the widow woman with the two mites was generous. Here we have a church of Macedonia. Verse two says that in the great trial of affliction, in the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. They, they purpose, liberality, generosity rose to the top of all that tribulation that they were experiencing. And he's using this as an example of the grace gift of God. God graced them with a grace that they were able, in spite of the great trials of affliction, generosity rose to the top, rose to the top. And he's using that. And then he goes on and and tells them that uh, in verse eight, I think it's, excuse me, in verse seven, he said, now as that church generosity rose to the top, here's what I want you to do. As you continue to abound, to grow in, Everything in your faith, in your speech, in your knowledge, and in all your diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound, grow in, become generous in this grace. Everyone say this grace. Very specific grace. For, in, for all your trials and afflictions, there is a grace from God that can rise up if you will purpose to grow in it. It will rise up and you will become generous even in the middle of pandemics, even in the middle of racial inequalities and racial disturbances and and, and just all the stuff that's going on. In the middle of it all, we can rise up and to be generous, to be generous. Because our Lord is generous, we are to be as he is, and we are to be generous. But I love the way he he communicates this as you're growing in all these other areas of your life, in your faith, in your communication, in your knowledge, grow in grace also. Have you ever considered, have you ever made a, a, a conscious decision that I'm gonna grow in grace? I'm gonna grow in generosity. I'm gonna become more generous. I'm going, to re- I'm going to grow in grace even in trials and even in difficult times, in times of trials and afflictions, I'm going to grow in grace. I'm not going to use the trial and the affliction as an excuse to become stingy or to become selfish. I'm going to grow in it. I'm going to grow in the grace of Almighty God. 
So I'm gonna challenge you to grow in it. And, and again, Jesus said, we, I am generous. I wanna be like Jesus, so I'm going to be generous as well. Generous as well. In Luke, uh, let's close with this and turn to Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 and 25 says, there is one who scatters yet increases more, and there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will be watered himself. In the name of Jesus, Father, I thank you for the grace of God for the peace of God, for the wisdom of God, and for the love of God. To rise up big within our hearts. That, Father, that we are growing in the grace gift of God concerning generosity. In all areas, not only in our finances, but that we're growing generous in kindness. We're growing generous in, 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 in our gifts and, our, and talents that we have to serve to serve you and to serve one another. That, Lord God, that we grow in whatever our skill sets are, that we can sharpen one another, we can build one another up, that we're not stingy, that we're not hoarding, that we're not drawing back, and we're not using trials and afflictions. We're not using all the things that unfolded and, and come against us this year. We're not using any of it as an excuse to, to pull back, but, Lord God, that we are excelling, that we are growing in this grace of generosity generosity in Jesus' name, name above all names. Speak to each one of our hearts, Father God, concerning where you want us to grow in the area of generosity, whether it be in our finances, whether it be in our time, our talents, whatever it is, Father God, you help us and you point it out to us by your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name, name above all names. We thank you and we give you the honor. We give you all the glory, all the glory in Jesus' name. I can't get away from this verse. I'm going to read it to you. Then you can go ahead and let the Lord speak to you about it. But it's in Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. Verse 34 and 35 says, If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. Verse 36, but love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the unthankful and to the evil. Next verse says, therefore be merciful just as your father's merciful. See, you want to be just like your father. Verse 35 is that you will be like sons of the Most High. When you love your enemies, you do good, you lend, hoping for nothing in return. You're being generous. You're being generous, and you're being like, you're being like God. We're to be imitators of God. Amen? And that, you continue reading there. comes right into verse 38, a verse you're probably more familiar with. You've heard me share that often. And give, and it will be given. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, we put into your bosom. For the same measure in that you use, it will be measured back to you. You serve, you give, you sow generously. It comes back to you generously. God is a generous God, and he loves you, and he wants to work in and through you. Amen? 
Praise God. So, Father, again, just thank you for this beautiful church family. We thank you, Lord God, for the plans that you have in store for us and the future that you have in store for this church family and for each family individually and then collectively as a congregation. We thank you, Lord God, that the future is bright and we rejoice in it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, love you, and we hope to see you again next Sunday morning. God bless you.